The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Welcome to the Pokepress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. This episode has two segments. In the first, Anne from Wiki Podcast drops by to discuss the music of Pokemon Rumble Blast for the 3DS. Like practically everything else in this entry, the soundtrack is an expansion of the original Rumbles, but that didn't stop us from making some interesting observations. If you want to know what we thought of the game itself, be sure to listen after the outro. Our second segment is a quiz of sorts, where I play disguised versions of voice clips from prior episodes, and Anne tries to guess which of us said it, as well as what we were talking about. Listen closely and see if you can figure it out before she does. Thanks. Hi folks, Steven here. I'm on the phone with Anne from Big E Podcast, and... In our continuing discussion of music from Pokemon side games, we've, I guess you could say, rolled the odometer. Well, not completely over, obviously. But uh, this is going to be our first fifth-gen black-and-white side game. And that winds up being Pokemon Rumble Blast for the 3DS. Took a little bit of digging to figure out exactly which one it was, because there's kind of a a bunch of them, and they're not sequenced maybe as clearly, in my mind at least, so it took me a little bit of time to look at that. But in any case, yes, this is the first Nintendo 3DS side game. It's a follow-up to the Pokemon Rumble that came out on the original Wii a few years before. Let's see. As far as the release date, I do want to put that in the timeline because in Japan, this came out in August of 2011. In North America, it was October of 2011, and then... In Europe, it was December of 2011. So like I said, the uh, the black and white games, the main ones, came out in early 2011 in the West. And within a year, we have this uh, side game here. Now, before we get into our initial experiences of the game, since this is a new platform, this is the 3DS, I want to do want to go briefly into that. I picked this system up uh, right when it launched, pretty much. And I suspect that, as is usually the case, it took you a little longer to get to this. Nothing against you, just saying there. What was your kind of 3DS story? Yeah, um, I did get the 3DS, not right when it came out, but a bit later, yes. And with Rumble specifically, Rumble Blast, I didn't think I'd ever played it. But when I picked it up for this uh, recording today, it was very familiar in a lot of a lot of moments. I I think I may have played it before. I don't know where. I don't know where this memory comes from. But clearly, a Celebi has been playing fast and loose with my life. So <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. But I have memories of Rumble Blast that I did not put there. Yeah, just to briefly go back, the 3DS sound hardware is fairly modern. You got a bunch of channels to work with that are all like digital sample channels and stuff like that, but. As far as this game, it might be a little confusing to some folks because in addition to this, first off, when this was originally released, it was released on cartridge. And then in 2012, it actually got released digitally. So if you're listening to this live, not if you're listening to it on the podcast feed, it'll be too late then. If you do a little rigmarole, you can buy this on the eShop. But there was also the Pokemon Rumble Let's see, is it World? I forget exactly which one is the, the free-to-start game on the 3DS and which one is the mobile game. But basically, I can see the uh, the free-to-start 3DS game can easily get confused with this. So maybe it seems familiar from there for some folks. But this was an actual cartridge game. When I got it, I did play through the whole thing there and completed it. And, you know, it was basically more Pokemon Rumble. We'll talk more in our game discussion after the outro uh, about what we thought of this game itself, but I think I liked it, but I don't know that it made a huge impression on me. I It's very, yeah, very much in the original Rumble kind of thing. It, it is, it's very fun, um, but not necessarily uh, iconic in the way some other games are. But as far as who produced this, probably not a big surprise. Uh, Umbrella worked on the Wii Rumble game, and they also worked on this one. And from a musical perspective, it seems that Miki Obata 
is once again our composer. She worked on you know pretty much all the Umbrella Pokemon games going back to Hey You Pikachu. We have this long-running discussion where we're trying to figure out who precisely she is and if she's the same as some other listings we see. And I guess you gave that another shot this time around. What'd you find? I did. Um, honestly, it's not conclusive still, but it like I do feel that fairly confident in assuming that um, Obata Miki, the singer, is probably not Obata Miki, this um, particular video game designer. I it's very frustrating because um, the singer writes her name in um, kanji and this particular programmer writes their name in kana, which is not necessarily like a conclusive thing, especially for people who want to keep their career professionalized a little separate. But I think I'm going to say they're not the same person. Likely this Miki Obata, just just based on the timeline and the um, companies that they worked through, probably is a male. They may have worked for Sega. That may be yet another Miki Obata. There are apparently a lot of Obata Mikis out there in the world. This is clearly a power name. So I basically found us more mysteries is what I found. Always good when our further discussions make us feel like we have less information. So That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but uh, as far as the overall style, we'll, we'll talk about some specific songs as we usually do, but I'd say it's it's more or less in line with the stuff from the prior, the original Wii Pokemon Rumble, and to a lesser extent, the other Umbrella Pokemon games. I think that's pretty pretty fair. I would say as far as overall music, there was like one difference that I found, um, and it might just be because of setting, because um, the other Rumble game took place in a forest, and this kind of the scenery and the background and the location has a very like European castle design with the exception of like the autumn wood track. All the music here evokes a very old English vibe, at least like Western European classical feel. Like, I don't know if it's just because I've been like listening in on a lot of medieval music and literature lately and I'm recognizing the patterns, but there's a lot of stuff that we'll talk about where it's like, that is a very Western and a very like specific type of Western music that seems to permeate, like I said, with the exception of Autumn Wood, which does sound very, um, ha- has a lot of Asian influences in it. There's a very much a Western castle medieval quality to a lot of this soundtrack, which is very interesting of a choice. Yeah, I, to be honest, when it's not being medieval, the only other thing I, I, I've really noticed, not to, you know, be a downer on the soundtrack, but it, just saying the other major style in there is, is there are some definite guitar tracks in there and um, mm. and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, definitely some uh, European influence over a fair bit of this. Well, we've done what we usually do here. We've each picked out three songs. Let's see. Uh, the three I picked were Toy Town, Kobalion's theme, hope I got that name about right, and Northerly Town. And what were the three songs you picked? Okay, I picked Temple of Keys, Magma Battle, and Deep in Dark Rust's Fort. Yeah, some, some very important characters and I guess some spoilers in here for, for this game, but... But we usually try and go in plot-ish order, um, and that brings up one of my songs first. This is Toy Town. This is the starting town of the game. Um, so you may remember, structurally, the original Rumble didn't really have a lot of quote-unquote places to it. There was sort of a main lobby, um, and then just different like little places you could go to do the actual battle. And this one has more of an actual world around it. And the name of the city you start in is Toy Town. And it has a a very, very friendly arrangement there. It's got a combination of horns and strings. And and it's overall just very playful, as you would kind of expect from the name of the the town and also sort of being one of the early areas in the game. And what did you notice about this one? Yeah, it sounds very much like like an old-timey carnival, like... Like, I specifically got images of a carousel ride, like a, an old British European Mary Poppins style carousel um, with, you know, the painted horses that you ride in a circle. This is the music I would hear there. And it just it just evokes a lot of like um, whimsy and, as you say, playful nature and and also like the kind of era that a wind up toy might exist in. 
as as these Pokemon are. <laughs> yeah, and structurally, one of the things I definitely noticed about the song, it seems to be in 3-4 time, which gives very much a clockwork type of feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very waltzy. Yeah, which gives a good... Um, sense of movement and other stuff. I'm not sure I had a ton else to say, but I, I did feel it was important, and it is definitely one I enjoy listening to. And did you have any other thoughts on this one? And not just that I agree with you. It's a it's a very, like, unique track. It, it definitely has its own sound to it, and that's very special. All right, then. Well, Anne, let's talk about one of your tracks. This is the Magma Battle theme. As usual, these are not you know, superficial names for some of these because we don't have an official soundtrack or even really a sound test for it. But Anne, you picked this one out. What kind of struck you about it? Yeah, so I picked this, um, like all of these tracks seem to have like an instrument or an idea that they really kind of gravitate to. This one is where they brought in the electric guitars. And it's just very dramatic. It's got a lot of like big percussive sounds and, and like low end frequencies and it just it feels very energetic like you would expect a a battle involving like fire and, and magma and you know kind of gives that sense of danger yeah i put down that it had a bit of a rising quality at least a part of it which kind of makes sense for a, a heat based area this is a bit distinct from like the factory area that we had uh, in the prior Pokemon Rumble game. One thing I kind of noticed is this one is, it kind of reminds me of some of the battle themes from some of the main series games, mm. more so than some of the other areas within the Pokemon Rumble franchise. Was that an observation that you made, or, or do you have a different take on it? No, I agree. Like, this definitely sounds like the track that would most feature in, say, a main series game or, like, a, a different type some of the other type of Pokemon games we've covered, it kind of just has that similar feel to it that we've kind of observed in a lot of other games, which is not necessarily to say it doesn't fit in with the rest of this soundtrack, just that, again, just its styling kind of is suited to that. Any other things you wanted to share about this one? No. <laughs> All right. I like it. All right, well, let's go on to my second pick, which is Cobalion theme. So Cobalion, like I said, I can't remember if that's exactly right. But in any case, is uh, one of the new Gen 5 Pokemon, part of the Musketeer trio. And it plays a fairly significant story role in this game. And as such, it has a very prominent theme, I would say. Um, actually, one of the, the big words I put down here was intimidating horns and drums. I assume that was something that... That you noticed as well, Anne. Oh my goodness, it's so dramatic. And yeah, it is It is all like brass or it is drums or it is that symbol just going ham. That symbol never stops. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I said it had a bit of an operatic quality. No vocals, of course, but it definitely has a, a, a certain amount of weight to it, which I guess, you know, it is a metal Pokemon we're talking about here. Um, so giving it some, some musical weight so it kind of goes along with the species there. So That makes a lot of sense. Like kind of the images I got were of a knight storming a castle. So it's kind of, again, I kind of feel that sense of gravity of like, I mean, it was interesting when you said operatic, like this sounds like the sort of music that like evoked a grand tale that you would write an opera for. Like I get a sense of, metal and heaviness you're right i agree with you a lot on this yeah when when you first encounter this uh character actually you're you're forced into a fight that you can't win so the the kind of the weight aspect there really sets that up so all right well let's talk about Anne's second pick which is the temple of keys now this is one of a number of i guess time-based challenges within the game but Anne, what got your attention musically for this track? Yeah, so kind of going along with, like, I was sensing a theme of, like, again, just medieval storytelling and, and like, classic lit, classic music. This is the kind of music that made me feel like, ah, we are entering the Fey realm. You know, other other tracks are giving me images of castles, and this is, like... We have gone and found the fairy forest. It is all synth bells and like pad sounds. And it's very eerie. 
I, I, I think the entire score was composed with synthetic instruments, but like everything in this track is a synth. There is not even a pretend of a natural instrument, I think. It sounds a lot like there is also a drum beat underneath, or a, not a drum beat, but like a beat. So it kind of sounds a lot like sort of indie trance dance feel to it as well. Um, so it's it's definitely got its own flavor, this track, but still kind of uh, evoking that sense of like old England castles and like pre-world sort of feel. Yeah, I put down for this that basically it has an ambient synth and some drums, and that's really more or less the gist of it. It does not, you know, overwhelm you with its instrumentation. I think this is a little split up, actually. This this song we're talking about here is for the, sort of the lobby area outside where the actual battle takes place, but they, they wanted a big-sounding area there, and I think they, they did a good job of doing that. Any other thoughts on this particular track? Um, just kind of riffing off of what you said, like, it feels like a lot of these tracks have one or two instruments, maybe three, and that's it. I think there are some exceptions, but for the most part, well, a lot of these tracks we talk about, they pick just a few instruments and that's the gist of the track. And yet they're able to, maybe with that simplicity, they're able to evoke something else. I don't know. Well, I, I guess we can sort of continue that trend then with my third pick, which is <laughs> Northerly Town. There's a a town for each of the cardinal directions, and Northerly Town is where you go, I think, after you get your um, rear handed to you by Kabbalion, or shortly thereafter, you end up going to this northerly, very cold place. And uh, sort of to go with that, it has a very desolate piano melody which has a fair bit of, a little bit of an emptiness feel to it, which is what you're supposed to be feeling within the game as well. And I, I assume that jumped out to you as soon as it started playing. Yeah, like, it. it's not just the melody. I think, I think the piano is the only instrument in that entire track. And it's so cool. It's so beautiful. But desolate is not a bad word for it, too. It There is an emptiness to it as well. At the same time, though, there is a, a definite, like, I don't know if it's technically a B section, but it uh, does have a little bit of hopefulness to it, so it's not all completely de depressing in there, which is good. <laughs> so it's sort of a, you know, things are, are very rough right now, but we can, you know, have some some means of getting through here to the next part of the game. Mm -hmm. But I definitely wanted to call that out. So it, it makes it certainly more interesting than it would be otherwise. I suppose if you really wanted to compare it to another Gen 5 uh, main game theme, there's obviously there's the uh, Bianca's theme or an unwavering heart or unwavering emotions. This is this is a still different than that. Um, they're definitely distinct and go in a little bit of different directions despite being sort of um, piano-based melodies and stuff like that. But I don't know, Anne, did that spur any uh, ideas for you as well? Um, no, it didn't until you said it. Um, I I do think I'd be very interested in, like, if sheet music were available for this piece, just because it really stands on its own. Um, it would be very short, um, but there's something very beautiful about it. Yeah, so I, I just felt that was the like closest point of comparison, but they are both kind of their own thing, despite both having a melancholy vibe to them. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's talk about your third track, Anne. This is uh, the actual big bad of this is something called Dark Rust, which is sort of this. It's obviously not really a Pokemon. It's sort of the equivalent of well, I don't know. It but it has at the end of the game you get to this place called Axeltown, and eventually you have to go down into the uh, enemy base there and take on all that stuff. Uh, Anne, you picked out Deep in Dark Rust Fort. Uh, what caught your attention with this one? Okay, so this is the the track following the medieval theme where we get our monks ready because we have polyphonic choral chanting and that's it. Like, all the voices are clearly synthetic, but there are no other instruments. This is all vocal and it's all chanting with a, a, with a melody on top and very, um, not quite Gregorian, a little later, like at moving into very early Renaissance kind of music. And it's fascinating and I love it. And again, it just 
evokes a part of the world that this game is not from, but I think they're kind of riffing off of the European castle stonework designs in all of it. But it's just, it's so cool and it's so different. We don't get a lot of this type of music in Pokemon. Yeah, although I, going back to fifth generation, there are some elements there where it might actually make a little bit of sense. Um, <laughs> But I know you, you like to mention the mm-hmm. Zelda franchise a lot on these discussions. And it, uh, going back to Ocarina of Time, I think the Temple of Time has a motif not entirely unlike this. Maybe I'm wrong, but certainly at least some areas of the game do use this type of um, choir or whatever like that. Uh, is that a connection you made? Um, It's not one I made, but like now that you bring it up, yeah, like this type of thing would not be out of place in Zelda. And again, Zelda, the franchise, uses a lot of uh, medieval European imagery art, like in its art, and it would make sense there. So, yeah. Yeah, so pretty good diversity between these tracks. Um, I think they did a pretty good job of sort of widening things out for this iteration. Moving on to kind of our overall impression, I'm not sure there's a ton to say about the sound effects. Most of those are just carried over from the uh, WiiWare game. But going into sort of our um, overall impression, I mean, I feel like this is a good expansion. They added a bunch of new areas, and those have recognizable and uh, fitting themes for each of them. So I think that all works very well. Mm. Not to say this is necessarily all the most memorable stuff, but I do think the the soundtrack of this game is very successful in sort of widening things out enough that it gives it more of an identity. Like, I was really afraid. I couldn't remember how much new stuff there was, and it turns out there was actually quite a bit, certainly enough for a full discussion here, and I was very pleased by that. And what are your sort of overall thoughts? Yeah, I really like um, that there's a lot of effort to be creative here and to explore different types of music that maybe I don't hear a ton of in Pokemon. And again, I'm kind of a little interested in that they all seem to follow a a theme, at least in my eyes, with the exception of Autumn Wood, which is like a Asian jazz fusion situation. (laughs) But um, I, I definitely see a lot of a lot of cohesive vision, but also a lot of individuality in each of the tracks. And given that most of the tracks seem to only have a few instruments rather than a big orchestra. I I think they're kind of able to do a lot with very little in order to like convey the emotions they want us to feel at any given moment. Yeah. That, 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 that autumn wood was definitely an outlier when I was listening through it, but I think they're certainly entitled to at least one (laughs) or two of those on a, a game soundtrack. It's a little easier to get away with that type of thing musically. For real. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on the music of this game, please do feel free. You can give us a comment on one of these videos. Drop us an email, pokepress at gmail.com. Or you can always try and find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at pokepress. But speaking of feedback, we do also have a few things that I would like to go over. Let us do it. All right. So... The month prior to when we recorded this, I had an opportunity to go to the annual Anime Milwaukee Convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Not as busy there as uh, 2022, where I had six press sessions that I went to, but I did get to a couple. This one, one of those was Susie Young, who had a part as Jupiter in the Pokemon Evolution series that came out, I think, a couple years ago. I think it was in 2021. But I have a comment here from DDDO33, which is cool. But I kind of wanted to just throw it in here just because it's kind of a, it's interesting with all the different things that Pokemon puts out these days. I have a lot of opportunities between, you know, not just the main series anime, but also the, these little short things that they put out and also, you know, stuff like Pokemon Masters EX that has its own voice acting and stuff. Um, You know, Susie got kind of an interesting history where she basically got into voice acting on a little bit of, not a complete whim, but was also going through some changes at uh, her regular 9-to-5 job. I don't know, Anne, I, I assume you got a chance to listen to this one. Uh, what were your kind of thoughts? <laughs> um, well, jealousy, first of all, because my changes with my 9-to-5 usually takes me away from acting. <laughs> um, but good for her, good for her. I'm very I'm very happy because she's a, a lovely person and a wonderful actor. Um I also like really enjoyed her talking about um the Pokemon evolutions and 
and how it was like um, they were able to record the English voices not to picture. So that, like they were able to record the English voices first and therefore not have to match the lip flaps. And in fact, the when it was um, released in Japan, those actors were the ones having to match the lip flaps. Just because I remember a lot of stuff um, early in the days of Pokemon where for one reason or another, like we'd see video of Rika Matsumoto doing like ADR and things and just reminding how we used to talk about um dubs and ADR and the the disdain that was often in uh, the fandom's voice and kind of just reminding myself that how these things are put together is not always the way we think it is and like the process of putting a show together can be very unexpected and and take several steps and I don't know like I just thought it was very interesting and it just reminded me of all of that yeah, I was not aware that it was a what's called a prelay project, which means the they were recording the audio for their side on the English side first. So a little different than what you usually get to with this. That was definitely interesting. Okay, so next up, it's not directly related to discussion, but it was a comment on discussing the music of Super Smash Brothers Brawl with PGB Podcast, which we recorded uh, about a month and a half ago. This is from Gordy. So the day before we recorded this, um, there was an announcement about some of the changes coming to the new Scarlet and Violet version of the anime, which is going to have new protagonists and stuff like that. Strangely, that was not part of the Pokemon Presents for Pokemon Day. You'd think they could have stuffed that in there relatively easy, but I guess not. Um, but Gordy wanted to remind us that uh, the person who will be taking over the scoring duties, at least for the Japanese version, appears to be the person, speaking of all those little short series, who did the music for Hisui and Snow, the Legends Arceus tie-in. And uh, I still need to watch the rest of it, but based on what I heard from the first part, I was fairly impressed, and it'll be interesting to see them change things up again. I don't know, Anne, do you have any, any comments on this one? Um, no, I just... Um... Konishu did a lot of really good stuff uh, with that soundtrack. Um, I'm always interested in kind of, especially at this stage of the Pokemon franchise, kind of letting some new blood into the old guard, as it were, to just kind of expand what they're able to do and just, you know, infuse some new creativity, some new ideas. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with this. Yeah, and would be very interested to see if they go on to do some stuff with the movies. We don't know what's going on with that right now. No, no. new information on that <laughs> front. But uh, yeah, that was just announced just before uh, we got to do this discussion. So that just about does it for our feedback section. Remember, you can always give us a comment, pokepress at gmail.com, at pokepress on Twitter. You get the idea. But... Um, as far as our side game music discussions, those go in North American release order. And as it turns out, the next one is Poke Part 2 Wonders Beyond. This is another original Wii game. came out very late in the console's life in uh, 2012. But it is the second Gen 5 side game. And I, I don't know if you have any experience with this one. I think your experience with the first Poke Park was extremely limited. I assume this one is in a similar boat. Yeah, um, unless I have another fever dream with this, like I did with Rumble Blast, I don't think I've played this one at all. I'm, I may have seen it. We'll see. We'll see if what I what happens when I play it for real. All right. Well, that will be our next discussion. Until then, Anne, thank you very much for being on. Thank you. This has been Stephen Reich. All right, folks. Thanks. With a driving beat and dramatic vocals, Holding Out for a Hero makes a great trailer song. In the case of Detective Pikachu, it's used to showcase the more action-packed elements of the film. The shots from the roundhouse, the lab, and the climax of the movie, the music helps sell that this isn't simply a low-key crime story. There are lyrical parallels as well. The hook of the song responds to Tim's statement that he doesn't need a Pokémon, and the trailer makes a fairly obvious use of Like a Fire in My Blood. To be honest though, they could have gone even further, as Someone Somewhere Watching Me is definitely true for our heroes, and the references to Thunder and Lightning are just begging to be used. Then again, there's only so much you can fit in a trailer. In any case, what are your thoughts on this pairing? Be sure to let us know. Thanks. But before we actually get started here, uh, we're going to do a little warm-up game like we've been doing for most of our streams here. Mm -hmm. um, so this is another AI 
ish based ones. Let me sort of explain for this one. So we're doing a lot of imagery based stuff for this. I wanted to try something doing something audio. So what I did is I did ask Anne about this. So she's she's okay with it. But I took a bunch of audio from these are all from podcast episodes that have already been released. So just to be clear about that, they're all in the podcast feed if you're playing along at home. Um, and what I did is I took a bunch of quotes from Anne, a bunch of quotes from me, and actually just dumped them in the folder and trained an AI voice model based on a combination. And then what I did is I took a bunch of like quotes from different episodes and I manipulated them to be kind of in between our two voices. If you want more technical details, you know, can drop me an email or something like that, pokepressagmail.com, and I'll give you the whole shebang about all the weird stuff that happened here. But what's going to happen is basically I have five quotes from five different episodes. And like I said, I trained a model using a combination of Anna and I's voices. And I pitched it so that it was in between. So it pulls characteristics from both Anne's voice and my voice into this very strange amalgamation, to be honest. The goal here is, first of all, you're going to want to try and figure out who's speaking, if it's me or Anne. Secondly, you're going to try and figure out uh, what episode it's from. And I guess third, what we're actually talking about within the episode. Like I said, there are five of these clips. Put them on here. I'll play them one at a time. I'll play first the distorted audio, basically speaking. And then I'll play, uh, once we've gotten through that, the audio for the unedited audio, basically. So here is our first, like I said, this is the distorted in-between version. Yeah, there's something really special about this this version that, that Westlife does. You know, obviously there's the whole, you know, boy band type of um, uh, uh, aesthetic or whatever you want to call it there that, that gives these songs uh, a fair bit of appeal, but it's well-performed and uh, definitely worth checking out. So, Anne, first of all, do you think I or you said that? This is harder than I thought it was going to be. Let me, like, talk it through myself, because on the one hand, there were a lot of ums, and I know that's a verbal tick I have. At the same time, like, there was something about the intonation that felt very much like you, but I don't know if I can trust that because this AI AI is uh, very good at its job. Um, I'm going to guess it was you. All right, well, let's listen to the actual clip, and then we'll go on to the other two questions here. So here's the actual audio. Yeah, there's something really special about this this version that, that Westlife does. You know, obviously there's the whole, you know, boy band type of um, aesthetic or whatever you want to call it there that, that gives these songs a fair bit of appeal. But it's well performed and uh, definitely worth checking out. Okay, so that was definitely me speaking there. You heard something about Westlife. First of all, what episode do you think this is from? I'm going to guess this is the one where we did Pokemon Live musics. Well, not from the stage show Pokemon Live, but yes, that is the episode we are talking right, yes. about. Sorry, uh, Pokemon songs that were performed live. Live Pokemon music is what we call that. We'll probably do a part two on that at some point. And I guess fairly obviously we're talking about uh, Westlife's live performance of Flying Without Wings. There's not another Pokemon song yet they did. I, I actually heard recently they're doing their first real U.S. tour on that this fall. I think they may have just started it a week or two ago or whatever. So they're trying to finally break into the North American market for reels, I guess. All right, let's move on to the second clip then and see where that gets us. It just has such a grandiose sense of like, we're going to battle now that I think really fits this game um, and really is a very recognizable Pokemon theme that all right, that's all you're getting there, Anne. Was that you or was that me? I think that's the rhythm of how I talk. So I'm going to guess it's me. All right. It just has such a grandiose sense of, like, we're going to battle now that I think really fits this game um, and really is a very recognizable Pokemon theme that... All right, then. So... Not a ton of information in there, though. It's, uh, right. Yeah, it's a very short clip there. What are we talking about there? Which episode do you think this is from, and what do you think we're talking about? Is so think about it the Super Smash Brawl, or one of the Super Smash games where they used the Pokemon Center theme, but made it like 
epic boss battle music? You're close, but not quite. Now, remember, I have not gotten the Brawl episode out on the podcast feed right, yet, so sorry. it wouldn't have been eligible for this discussion. So definitely not Brawl. But I think we may have discussed Smash Brothers in some other episode. Do you want to try think about it a little more? Whichever one came out for the Wii first that wasn't Brawl. Uh, there's all, the there's Smash Brothers for the Wii is 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 Brawl. Is, is Brawl. Yes. Okay, so whichever one came before that. Okay, so this is this is us talking about Super Smash Brothers Melee. Remember, we did a combined oh, episode Melee. on Super Smash Brothers sixty four and um, Super Smash Brothers Melee for the GameCube because they have not super small soundtracks, but compared to later games, my goodness, not even close. <laughs> So yeah, here we're talking about the melee version of the Pokemon thing, the one with the choir and stuff like right. that. Right. Okay. Which I I felt was very moving, but that was you talking about it there. I forget which of us actually picked that track. It was you or me uh, to discuss. All right, here's uh, number three here. Tears of Life is a very good song, but and in the world of Pokemon scores, where we don't have a ton of super iconic tracks. Like, it is one of the ones that people recognize. Okay, another kind of short one. You can probably figure out what that's about, but was that you or was that me? I'm going to guess it was me. Okay, let's find out then. Oops, I only want to go there. Tears of Life is a very good song. So that is you. Like, and in the world of Pokemon scores where we don't have a ton of super iconic tracks. I'm doing way better on this. Like AI it is one of the ones that people recognize. <laughs> yeah. On the, on the guessing games with the uh, Pokemon master screenshots and guess the album art based on the description. That one was particularly rough on you. I'm flashing but, back to like my college days where all I did was listen to how people talked and try to imitate. <laughs> all right, then first of all, you probably have a decent idea. You can narrow it down, but which episode was this? Okay, my first guess is back, way back when we were talking Pokemon movies, but it that's well, we kind of are, but but it, this is not it. So is it Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolutions, and we're talking about the score? It it, it is, but here's the tricky part: we did three episodes on that. Can you yeah. name which one? <laughs> Sorry, that's the tricky so part. Did... One where we've talked about the plot, so it's probably not that one. I mean, I guess the first one we did where we're specifically talking about the the score and the dub score versus the Japanese score. All right. I'll just kind of answer this one yeah, for you. Sorry. But the way it shakes out is the first episode is about the ending theme songs and then a song that wasn't in the remake, We're a Miracle, is a big part of that. The second one is where this is from. This is the rest of the music, so that includes the absence of Brother My Brother and the score. Um, and then we did a third episode where we talked about the remake from a uh, technical and mm. writing perspective. So this is sort of that middle episode there. Yeah. So yes, I know I was being kind of <laughs> tricky with that one and kind of messing you up there. All right. So with that, we're going to move on to this is our fourth clip. It seems like virtually everything else has some sort of parallel, either with Coco or with Dada's Root, or the two of them are waiting with Ash and stuff like that. You know, lost and found at the same time. I don't know if I mentioned that one yet, but... All right. Which of us is that? Is that you or is that me? I'm going to... It's so weird, because, like, it sounds like you, but the, like, the vocal quality is hard to tell. And, like... The cadence, in a way, the the way of talking is very you, but some of the thoughts are very me. So it's like, ah, I'm going to guess you. It's you. It's you. It seems like virtually everything else has some sort of parallel, either with Coco or with Dada Zarud so, or yeah, the two right. or even with Ash and stuff like that. You know, lost and found at the same time. I don't know if I mentioned that one yet, but... So, yes, that was me talking there, just to give the folks at home a little bit of perspective. Since Anne and I have uh, different pitches to our voices, we're about five to seven semitones. Uh, Twelve would be a full octave apart. If I pitched it up, it would sound more like her. If I pitched it down, it would sound more like me. If I left it in the middle, you get that weird stuff that you hear right in this uh, discussion here. But you can probably guess what episode was that we were talking about. Well, um, you got two choices. Uh, probably. 
probably. Um, okay, I'm going to guess it was the one where we were talking about Pokemon 25, and this was one of the many songs that we were like, this should have been like a Coco movie tie-in. Right, secret. Ch- so this is the S's Pokemon yeah, Twenty Five. So the jungle. Yeah, but it, and and we were thinking like you know some of these songs seem like they might have originally been intended for Secret to the Jungle. Which song are we talking about here? The one that Sin did. I forget the name. Yeah, you're you're right. It's, it's wonderful. And of course, she wonderful. did do songs for the two songs for the actual movie. But our suspicion, and we don't have real proof of this, but judging from some of the context, it's a little hard to ignore. Uh, or several of the songs may have been originally intended, and perhaps at one point, Secrets of the Jungle was going to get a theatrical release, and that got scuttled because of the pandemic and not getting a, a pediatric vaccine soon enough or whatever, and they said, okay, we're going to split these things apart, because it seems like there's a couple other things. There's some urban jungly aspects in Gotham, for sure, and uh, Art Show is kind of a weird outlier unless it was meant to be used in the My New Friends scene in Secrets of the Jungle. Then it makes total sense. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell. We have our suspicions, especially since the movie and the album released a week apart in uh, 2021. So that's also a little bit suspicious. Uh, yeah. But no real proof has come out either way on that. But it's kind of hard to ignore some of that stuff there. All right, we got one more. I, I did specifically pick an odd number to make it a little less uh, obvious, you know, what that last one uh, would be, if it would be me or you. But here we go. We talk about it a lot, uh, more than I think just about any other song that is not an opening or an ending to a Pokemon movie or the TV show. And, uh, you know, I, I think this would have totally worked on, like, To Be a Masters, the song there. And I think that kind of shows why. Uh... All right there. So was that me or was that you? That was you. Well, let's find out that. We talk about it a lot, uh, more than I think just about any other song that is not an opening or an ending to a Pokemon movie or the TV show. And, uh, you know, I, I think this would have totally worked on, like, To Be a Master as a song there, and I, and I think that kind of shows why. Uh, all right, so you were correct about that. That was a quote from me. So... First of all, what episode do you think that's from? Mm, songs that should have been, like the one where you were talking about um, if NXS did a Pokemon song? No, it is not. I did consider okay. picking something for that episode, but I think it would be too easy. It would, I'd really have to narrow it down if we picked one of our <laughs> If Blank did a Pokemon song episode. It would be really You're obvious right, if one of I us know. was talking about Perfume <laughs> yeah. or NXS. I think that would have uh, been a little obvious, certainly which episode it would have been. Okay. Uh, but it is not that episode. It is something considerably more recent than that. So, so maybe maybe I'll give you I'll give you the other question. What do you think we're talking about? Like, what song or what other thing within the franchise do you think we're talking about? Um, we're talking about something that feels like it could tie to, if not the first movie, the first season. I think. So if it's not that, then maybe something from Pokemon Twenty Five. It is not from Pokemon 25. You are right about being related to the first movie. I'll give you that. Okay. Underrated Pokemon songs, perhaps? It is not from underrated Pokemon songs. But I'll give you a hint. The first word of the episode does end in a past tense. <laughs> does end in ED. Um. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll spoil the episode for you. This is from our disputed Pokemon songs oh, episode. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> What song do you think we're talking about? For disputed Pokemon songs that could go on to be a master. We're a Miracle? It is not We're a Miracle. What other song do we talk about forever and ever? All right, I'll spoil it for you. This is the... This is the part where we remember we discussed six songs. We did not discuss We're a Miracle in an episode because we kind of talked about it. That's not disputed. Well, it doesn't have much use outside of the franchise, and we had talked about it so much during our Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution discussion, considering it's not in that movie. But no, this is a different song on that album. It does. It also dates back to before Pokemon, the first movie. It has several versions out there. Oh. Uh, blah, blah, blah? 
No, that's the second movie. This is making my way any way that I can. Oh, okay. That's the one that has that very complicated history that goes through Winona Judd, Marsha Hines, right. Billy Piper, the version people know, and then like an uh, an obscure MTV reality series. There's at least four known distinct arrangements. But we do talk about it a lot. We also mentioned it in our Insert a Pokemon song discussion. What happened there is we each picked a song that we would try to work into the movie itself that is not actually in the movie. You picked... I'm a collector from the Japanese uh, album for the second movie. I picked Making My Way Any Way That I Can. And this is not a slight on the song, but I figured they could have put it as background music in the dock scene where they're right, in the yeah, building in there. Locked up, uh, yeah. Depending on which part of the song they'd use, has some interesting, I guess, I'm not sure what the word you're looking for there is, but the interesting... Uh, connections to the franchise in the movie, but using it in that scene, you know, so so many times I played in someone else's game, this time the game has changed. Sounds a little more ominous if they're about to head out to New Island, you know? This time I'll make the rules, you know? All that fun stuff. But those were, like I said, a, a smattering. Um, if you're watching this on replay or if you're in the chat or whatever, please give us a comment. How many of these could you identify who spoke them? Did you recognize them from episodes? And could you tell what we were talking about? I very likely will bring this back at some point. I want to keep trying different things that we're doing here. Um, but that was a very interesting experiment, I guess. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, Send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at pokepress on Twitter. All right. Well, as I mentioned in sort of the musical portion, this game is is musically an expansion of the WiiWare title, and that kind of holds true for more or less everything else. Now, the, the, the WiiWare one only had the first and fourth generation. This adds... Not only the second and third generation, but of course the fifth generation Pokemon. So it has virtually every Pokemon up through that point, other than maybe a few secret ones from Gen 5 that hadn't been revealed yet. So that was kind of a nice thing, but, you know, I mean, there's a, a lot of things here and there that are that are new. Obviously having an actual proper overworld was nice. Um, <laughs> and I assume you felt that added a little bit of personality to the game. That and, and a plot, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess we can sort of talk a little bit about that, but basically, instead of just having ranks, what you do is you go from sort of town to town, and each town has a kind of a surrounding area with a bunch of tasks, you know, a bunch of areas you need to complete. And eventually your goal is to sort of, as we mentioned, sort of save the world by defeating Dark Rust. At first it seems like Kabalion is the going to be the main villain, and it sort of is for a little bit, but eventually you get to this Dark Rust. I don't know. And... Like, it's not a super deep plot uh, by any means, but I was, I was just kind of curious how you kind of felt about that. Um, Like, as you say, it's not super deep. It's nice to have something, um, just because it is a very simple game. So it's it's nice to have something that you feel you're working towards. Um, I Like, I do kind of notice that, like, you know, you start out trying to catch the thief, uh, Kobalion, and, and then you find out that the real bad guy is something entirely different. And I just feel like that's a plot that's been used in Pokemon a lot. Like, Pokemon really loves its, like, misunderstood, like, you've misunderstood somebody uh, plot a lot. You see it in the anime all the time where, like, the humans are like, oh my gosh, these Pokemon are doing whatever. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, you were trying to help your friend. I was the bat. I'm sorry. I kind of appreciate that here. Like, it just feels very... As simple as a plot it is, it feels like it belongs in the Pokemon world. Wouldn't quite put it up there with Grovile from the uh, Explorers and Mystery <laughs> Dungeon games, but it is a mechanic that we, we use quite, uh, seems to get used quite frequently in the franchise. Mm -hmm. That being said, there are a few new, like, actual things in there in terms of, like, actual, like, certain types of events and stuff. Like, there's a, a fortress battle um, where you launch a team of three Pokemon in there and they battle their way through to the end of the fort. There's also sort of a one where it just takes a bunch of your really strong Pokemon and you do like a button mash thing. I forget what exactly those are called, but there's at least one or two of those in there. Mm. I don't know. Like from a gameplay perspective, do you think those added a lot? 
I mean, we've established I'm the type of player who button mashes is all I got. So, like, I, I definitely didn't mind it. Whether or not it added is probably a question for a better player. Um, I do, like, I like the idea of switching up the types of gameplay, though, just to kind of give you a little variety. I think I think that's kind of nice. Yeah, there are a couple other, like, wrenches it throws into the formula. Like, every so often when you get to the end of, like, one hallway... Rather than taking the launcher directly into the next hallway, it'll throw you in something, I think it's called, like, the Romper Room, which has a bunch of strong Pokemon in it, and you have to survive and do stuff in there. So they do vary things up a little bit with with that, um, but that's sort of a random chance element that appears every so often within the game. I don't know, did you run into one of those, Anne? Um, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, it was fun, it was fun. Like, I don't know I have much to say about it, but, like... Like, again, I, I, I liked the, the hints of variety. Yeah. and uh, Let's see. Some other things I ran into. There was a, a hole that opened up in, like, the middle of the overworld at one point, and I got to go in there and fight some unknown. Ooh, so you, you do get one. little surprises. There's more things, you know, more of all the, the stuff. Um, I guess the other thing we should mention in here is this does make use of the, the big uh, 3DS featured Street Pass which was the, the oh, thing. There was some, yeah. some stuff built into the system itself, but then various games also had this thing. What this does is actually uh, people's Mies will come to your shop and spend money so you can get more money that way. So maybe not the most clever integration, but it is something. Mm-hmm, yeah. But, you know, I mean, kind of overall, this game is just sort of an expanded version of the game we got a few years ago, and, you know, that might have been... I don't know, this this game, like, sold okay, especially, like, for an early side game title. It sold, I think, over a million copies and represents a very large portion of the Pokemon Rumble um, sales figures for the entire sub-series. Um, so it, I guess it did something fairly right there, but I think, like, it's really, it's quite fair to describe it as an expanded version of the WiiWare game, mm. or a more fully realized version of the WiiWare game. I, I assume, Anne, that was your experience as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I don't know that it needed to be a full, big-release cartridge game, um, but I, I did read one review that kind of pointed out a plus of it is that, like, it's really fun, but it's also really portable like it's a game that you could play in short bursts or like on the go or something whereas um some other games kind of required you to sort of sit down a bit and and devote time to it so it it, and those games you know serve their purpose the little you know i i have just a few minutes here i'm gonna play you know my candy crush or whatever so but yeah i don't know if that it it needed to be as big of a deal as it is it really just feels like kind of a an expansion or almost like uh, like a DLC patch. <laughs> it, it is way before those days, but it, yeah, it just feels like a, a little update. Yeah, structurally speaking, it definitely is very compartmentalized in terms of all the different levels. And even within those levels, each of them has a series of hallways that you go down. So you can definitely put it down and do it there. So when we talk, take a look at the other entries, it'll be interesting to sort of talk about, you know, do they kind of run into a out of ideas or, or, or what like that. But uh, until then, I, I think, you know, it's not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe not the most inspiring. I, I think that's fair, yeah. I'm sure everybody who played it had fun. I know I did, so. 